Matt Ulrich, 2021 Salt Lake Board President. Alicia Holdaway, your immediate past president. Tony Ketterling, Salt Lake Board of Realtors Board Member. Sarah McConkey, President of Intermountain Association Management. Welcome everyone to the Salt Lake Board of Realtors podcast, episode 47. In this episode, we continue from our previous HOA discussion on episode 46 and also from episode 18 a year ago. Um, we welcome you to episode 47. I have a question real quick um, on a, kind of going on a different topic is what percentage do you guys know the percentage of homes or communities that are have an HOA now? Because it seems like a lot of the new constructions, even single family are or have an HOA. So do we have an idea of the percentage of those communities? I don't. I don't have a percentage of that. I do know that municipalities more and more are saying, you know what, make it an HOA, you deal with the infrastructure. Hmm. You deal with the, deal with the governance and the, and the infrastructure. We're still going to get a tax base, but we don't have to deal with everything else. That sounds like what a government city would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. What about FHA compliance? Yes. Okay. Can we talk about that, Sarah? And just, sure. there's a lot of nuances to that, but in the simplest form, what does it take for a community to be FHA compliant and how do they go about that? Okay, so a couple of things here. FHA, uh, communities can, as a whole, become FHA compliant. It is not required for them to do so. There was uh, something that was passed in, I don't know if it was a law or FHA guidelines or whatever that was changed in August of 2019 that now allows for single units to be FHA approved, not the entire community. Yeah. I was not right. aware of that. Yeah. That's huge, guys. Big. Yes. <laughs> Look at all of us are like, wait, what? Time out. Say that again. Yeah. Say that again. August 2019, there was a change. And I don't know if it was a law or FHA funding guidelines, but it took it from a whole community having to have to be FHA approved to individual units now can be. You know what? Now that you say that, I actually had one of my lenders submit on a, on a particular unit for compliance. Yeah. Uh. It's huge. It was a game changer because associations were spending... Forty-five to sixty-five hundred dollars every two years to become go through this process and have someone walk through a process to become compliant, and now individual homeowners can at a much less expensive price. Do yeah, I mean I don't know if many homeowners know they can even do that, and that would maybe it doesn't matter so much in this market, but in other markets to be FHA approved would be huge for them to be able to sell. Well, right. not just sell, but it's reverse mortgages for those who want to take out a reverse mortgage on their condo. Wow. Interesting. So they're, they're able to go in and we used to call them, you know, going to get a special um, permission from the FHA and that's the $4,500 they were spending. Now the homeowner can request that? The homeowner can go forward and get their individual unit FHA approved. And I guess they can check with their lender to find out if that particular, maybe they were going to be moving up, but they wanted to keep the unit rented, then all of the percentages for rentals and stuff would fall under FHA guidelines, but at least they could get it approved themselves. Yeah, where right. would they, the homeowner go to get that, say they're in a, a community they wanted to get FHA approved, where would they go? So it's my understanding that there are some mortgage companies that do this or real estate agents that can help you with this. 
Um, the association still has to provide the same documentation as if the whole association was having it done. Um, it's basically the same information for seller disclosures, so it's nothing new. Outside of that, I don't know. We don't do it. We don't help with individuals. We don't do, you know, we'll help with communities, but we usually third party that out. Now that people know, do your, because like I said, now that you're talking about it, I had, we had an, a, a client under contract going conventional and then found out she needed to go FHA in the process. And we were able to get a spot approval on that single unit. I didn't relate it to the whole like individual versus community, but that my lender, thank God she knew what she was doing and just, I don't know what she did. So, so your lender went and got that spot approval to be FHA approved. Yeah. What an awesome lender. Yeah. Write that lender's name down, right? <laughs> so, <every time. laughs> um, so yeah, so that's a big game changer. Um, but for FHA approval, the reserves have to be in line. Reserves is a huge one. Uh, I think re the reserves and the amount of that's put into reserves is so underspoken about and so like the importance isn't there. And it's huge. The community financial help physical health really goes back to the reserves. Yeah, reserves are a big, big issue where it could cost someone lots of money and also save a deal like with Alicia on being able to get FHA approved. And yeah. A lender that knows what they're doing is huge as well. So reserves can kick you out. Um, your rentals being too high. So FHA requires that 51% of the units are owner occupied. Um, and that's for condos and townhomes type communities, not necessarily single family homes. That's different typically. But um, so yeah, those are kind of the things that we see getting associations kicked out. Also on the budget, the 10% of the annual income needs to be going to reserves. But we've talked about, about that before where typically 10% isn't enough. So that 10% is like the minimum required you're saying? Correct. At least 10%, right? At least 10%. That's the floor. It's not sufficient, but that's the guideline of yeah. minimum. That's the FHA guideline for minimum for funding and reserves is 10% of your budget. Now, there's a whole other side of that where communities can put it in their budget that they're going to fund 10% and then never fund it. Yeah, because a guideline, I mean, a bu budget is just a guidance, right? A budget is a stab in the dark sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And you're saying they're different for single family. And so for the rentals being 51%, single family is not necessarily that. Uh, would you say the budget being at least 10% reserves would be the same for a single family typically? Or no, is that, it's, that is that is solid across the board. What are the things that, what are hot, hot buttons that you hear over and over and over again, Sarah, that you wish you could just go, agents, <laughs> listen up. Get the documents ahead of time. It's your lack of uh, planning doesn't constitute an emergency on my part. Sorry, it just doesn't. Um, the other thing that we hear, and it's usually from buyers or new owners, is, well, I never could get the documents. I never could get the documents. They said that you, that you wouldn't provide it. If it's coming from my office, I don't believe that one at all. <laughs> so it, it gets, I, I have real heartburn with, I couldn't get the documents. The documents are there. There's a lot of ways to do it. Well, and that brings me to uh, another question that came on our Facebook group, and that is, um, 
you know, what, what about uh, real small associations who are maybe voluntarily or run by a volunteer board, don't have a professional management group in place, like they don't have a website, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they still have all the same requirements. They do. Yeah. So if you're dealing with a self-managed board, one, give them my number. We'll have yeah. a conversation. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, kidding. No, yeah. no, not kidding. <laughs> I mean, at least a conversation, right? I mean, this is what they're responsible for. And a self-managed community doesn't know what they don't know. They don't necessarily know and understand the laws, but they're held to the same standard and have the same liability for not complying. And so the difficult part is hopefully you've got the correct information from the Department of Commerce website of who the board members are because sometimes that isn't updated and you're chasing down board members. Wait, say that again. The Department of Commerce HOA registry under state statutes, associations are required to register under the Department of Commerce and any changes made to the board have to be updated within 30 days of those changes. And what are the penalties that they don't? Because I, I would assume there's a lot that aren't in compliance. Oh, I know there's, not, there's a lot not in compliance. Yeah. I don't know the specific penalties because I try to avoid those, <laughs> but there are penalties. One of the things that an association can lose and it's a big penalty is lien rights. So if someone's delinquent, the association can't lien if that Department of Commerce is not correct. So that's huge. Who do we report the delinquency of not having it updated on the Department of Commerce? Who do we report to? The Department of Commerce? I would, I would report to the Department of Commerce. Well, I'm surprised you guys don't know this. This is like the key places to go to find people. Well, um, we have to remember that we have 10,000 members in our association. And on average, we average 100 new members a month. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, Depart Department of Commerce is, the, is usually the first place to go to find out either who the management company is or who the board is and how to get a hold of somebody for these type of transactions. Um, and then all you can do as the, the seller's agent or the seller or the buyer's agent is try to contact them. You can't force their hand, but as long as you have evidence that you've tried to do your job in a timely manner, then the liability sits on that community and that board. And, and Sarah, I would probably add to this, and th this is a great, that's why this is, makes this such a great podcast is like Leisha said, we have over 10,000 members and a lot of new members and even the older members, you know, um, aren't as familiar with this. And so it's good to have a reminder of all these things. And, and a lot of us will get the information. I know a lot of uh, agents will get the information and pass along and say, hey, buyers review it. And, and even the listing agents do. And we don't, I know, and, and some of us, maybe I won't say a lot, aren't doing the a good good enough job reviewing the disclosures verifying the information and and a, and a partially is because we don't want to put too much liability on ourselves as the agent we want it's up to the buyer to review it not we will like the previous podcast is we want to be the resource for the resource as you guys mentioned but we don't want to be doing the review for our buyers and our sellers making sure that it, it meets their needs, whether like Scott said, hey, I want to make sure it's compliant with the animals because my animals are my life. And so we want to encourage and be the resource for the resource, but encouraging our, our client to review those. But it, it would be good for us as agents to make sure they're in compliance and do a little bit more research and investigating. But again, we want well, to- 
putting and Matt, to that to that it is the buyer's responsibility to figure it out but the agent can say hey i really need you to look at these specific items yeah. and and go through them uh, i know that when my oldest was purchasing a home and it was the due diligence period i said look i need you to get these documents i want to review these documents because i know what i'm looking for and it saved her from a huge heartbreak that was going to happen if she had gone through with what the original plan was. So as real estate agents, I think it's important to know how to guide your client to look at specific things, look at the financials, look at the meeting minutes, look at the reserve study. It's huge. I mean, it's just like the inspection report, right? Like it, we're the source to the source, but we we have to be the guide. They're relying on us. We have to alert them as to what to look out for. And, you know, not just like, just like the seller's disclosure, property condition disclosures. If you're not reviewing those as the buyer's agent, you are not doing your job. Yeah. You can't just like take it and pass it on and like, just be the middleman. That is, we are not paper pushers. Give me right. a break. You need to review those items, look for red flags and point them out. And your buyer has to look through them and on their own decide what's important to them, right? So one of the things that I've seen and, and that I often see is that people don't know how to read financials. You know, we're all very familiar with our own checkbook money coming in, money coming out. We may know our investments or whatever, but to look at an actual set of financials, it kind of scares people. And so I would encourage, I mean, I've got to learn how to read them. So I would encourage real estate agents to be, to be able to say, oh, look, the operating account is $2,500 and then skip down to the liability section and see that there's $35,000 in outstanding liabilities. That's a red flag, people. That means they're $33,000 under water. Yeah. Okay, last question before we wrap up. Is there a governing body who... You know, we have the, uh, you know, associations, if you want to be like the NAR, UAR, um, Salt Lake Board and different uh, local associations, if you want to be a realtor, right? Mm -hmm. And then we also have the division of real estate. Is there a governing body for HOAs that they answer to and that regulates you? So there is a, an organization called Community Association Institute. It's a national organization. Um, they have best practices, they have lots of educational information and, and that kind of thing. There's a local chapter called UCCAI or Utah Chapter of Community Association Institute. Um, you don't have to be a part of it to be a community association manager. In fact, in the state of Utah, there is no regulation. The person who cuts your hair or the person who serves you your food or cooks your food has to have more licensing and, and permits than somebody who does what I do. Wow. And, and, and that's crazy to me because I'm dealing with million dollar assets Yeah. and, and I don't have to have a license. Now I have a lot of education and experience and, and that kind of thing. Sure, a lot of knowledge. Right. But any Joe Schmo off the street can get, go, Hey, I, I think I can do it better. I can make a buck and jump in and have not a clue what they're doing. So I think that goes back to, I, I mean, it, you know, it's why I jumped on the board um, for the HOA that I was living in is because it was like, okay, if I want to say in how this goes, 
I need to like step up and be involved. Right. Um, and you know, not every homeowner is going to do that. And you may have a condo association with hundreds and hundreds of units and, you know, whatever, but at the end of the day, part of what I'm hearing from you is part of what we should encourage our buyers to do is to just step up, get involved, ask, be involved. Questions, call the association, challenge things, you know, well, really and, and just a homeownership. Well, attend a board meeting. If you can't attend a board meeting, read the meeting minutes. Is, is yeah. you know, ask about the financials, ask because we post uh, member financials on our web portal for owners every month, read them, take the information in, you know, because oftentimes we get homeowners that get upset and frustrated because they don't like something that's happening, but they haven't seen and been part of the process through it. They haven't been invo involved and engaged. You need to be involved and engaged so that you understand what's really going on. Yeah. Or like you were saying on the previous podcast, you know, and you were mentioning previously on not know, maybe not understanding or knowing how to read budgets or financials, just call the HOA, you know, you have the number and call the property manager or call the HOA president and have a conversation with them. So, you know, we can provide again, like Leisha was saying, we could provide the resource. Here's the contact information. If you have questions on the budgets and minutes, if you don't understand those, we can provide say, hey, maybe look out for this or this or this. But we also could say, hey, why don't you, if you're worried about certain things or don't understand, call and have a simple conversation with the the prop uh, the HOA president or the property manager and, and have a simple conversation, easiest way possible, right? And it I'll is, it is. And I actually throw this out to anybody I meet. If you're going to buy in an association and you want someone to, to look at the documents, I, I said, I will do it for free. I will look at it. I will tell you what I see. And then you can take that information and make a decision, you know, whether it's, they're 2% funded in their reserves and their assessments aren't covering their operating expenses. That's a red flag or their assessments are really high and they're building the reserves, but they got roofs due in two years. I would rather have people have the information so they can make a, a smart choice instead of being blindsided. Or such a wealth of information. Thank you for being just willing to give of your time and to Anytime. say you're, you know, willing to help buyers go through their due diligence. And just, I've seen that, you know, play out in real life. And it just is such a, a valuable resource to, for agents to truly understand and become the experts, not to, to do disclosures for our buyers, but to help guide them through what to look for. So help the buyers understand what they're buying. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would like to thank Sarah also for coming and being part of this. This was so informative and helpful and yeah, great information. Uh, we appreciate Alicia being on as she's a wealth of knowledge as well and always does such a good job on these podcasts and we've been lucky to have her as well. We'll see you on the next episode.